0: You're listening to the Audacious Church podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. If we got any brothers and sisters in the house, like you've got siblings, people who grow up knew, knowing what this sibling relationship was like. Now, me and my brother, Sam, with two years between us, I've got many other brothers and sisters. I had Caleb playing keys today. Uh, he's one of my brothers as well. He got all the growth genes in the family. I didn't get any of those. And um, but Sam, he, with two years between us, we were the ones that grew up side by side in each other's pockets. If you bring that photo up again of us sat on the bench, there it is. You can see he's linking his arm with me there. I'm pulling a silly little face. But we were, we were the best of friends, but we were also the worst of friends at the same time. And we would have these moments where we would fight until no end, only two years separating us. I remember this one time we were play fighting. We would always call it play fighting. Any other, any other big brothers out there? Oh, mum, we were just play fighting we were just play fighting mum and this one time we were play fighting and I might have pushed Sam a little bit too hard and we had those rails that went around the um the living room you know like with like the flower imprints on them and uh, Sam's head hit it and he had this bump on his head shaped like a flower <laughs> my mum was like that was definitely you I was like Don't know what you're on about. But we would we would fight, we would get into each other's hair. And then at about 16 we went from these like rivalry fighting kids that would always be competing for attention, competing for, I would always go for the Chinese on the Saturday night. He'd always want the Indian. I would never be victorious because he was the youngest and the cutest. He'd always win that one. But we went from these like rivalry competing brothers trying to get attention, trying to get the uh, attention from my mum until our teenage years where we kind of forgot that each other existed for a few years, went about our own lives and then became best friends. When we hit about 16, we became the best of friends. Now, we became friends and we explored things that two brothers two years apart could only push each other into. We went out into the world, let go of all the advice that mum and dad had given us, and we're like, we know everything. And we would push each other into places that we wouldn't tell our young people to go to on a Friday night. We would get ourselves into situations then, uh, that weren't healthy, and we would kind of push each other, and push each other, and push each other. And it got to a point where our relationship got a little bit destructive for each other because we would encourage each other in the wrong things. You see, it took that time of almost pushing each other into the wrong things for a bit of a destructive element, a fighting relationship, and a relationship where we would challenge each other, um, to actually build a foundation of now as adults where it is the most constructive relationship it could ever be. Because we've put in the investment in our relationship to now there's only certain things that we can challenge each other on. You see, sibling relationships tend to either be destructive or constructive. We kind of, we're never in the middle. We're either really good for each other or we're really bad for each other. And uh, we're in the room right now. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. When we become Christians, when we come into relationship with God, the Bible says that we become co-heirs in the kingdom of God. So that means if Matt's got a relationship with Jesus and Matt is a son of God because he is a co-heir in the kingdom of God and I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm a co-heir, that means that Matt is my brother in Christ. We are brothers in Christ. If Jane is a sister in Christ and Jane is a co-heir of the kingdom of God, that means that Jane is my sister in Christ. You see, church, we've got a responsibility to live in constructive relationships with each other. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we're looking at a story today of two brothers that their relationship in this one instance, turned very destructive. In fact, it turned to one person being killed. See, we all have a responsibility, church, to choose for our relationships to be for life or for death. See, that's the title of our preach today. Are we going to live for life or are we going to live for death? Are we going to choose to build each other up are we going to tear each other down? Are we going to forgive or are we going to hold a grudge? Will we help each other and hold each other to account? Or will we try and play the judge in each other's lives? Church, we need to love people. We are the church. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to choose love. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, but I have come to kill you, give you life. And then you may have it to the full. James 4.11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Christians, we need to reflect Jesus' love that he has for us to each other. The reason that Cain's heart in the Cain and Abel's relationship became destructive was because Cain let comparison, let anger, let selfishness come into his heart. It was a heart posture. You see, Cain and Abel, I don't know, is, is any, is, have people heard about Cain and Abel before? Have we heard that story in Sunday school? Well, if you haven't, I'm gonna give you some context to Cain and Abel, to their parents. See, Cain and Abel were born into an inheritance of sin and temptation. Their parents were Adam and Eve. You know, the first humans to be made, the ones that were given dominion over all life, the ones entrusted to give all of the animals, all of the trees, all of the plants, the names, the ones that God trusted with his marvelous new creation. You see, Adam and Eve were also the ones that sin came into the world through. So I feel sorry for Cain and Abel because they had no chance. Their inheritance was literally sin and temptation. They had a relationship with God, but they had to go through offerings, to kind of win God's acceptance every year. Cain lived in the inheritance of his mum's mistake, of his parents' mistake. I've got some good news, church. That is not you. You do not need to live in the inheritance of your parents' mistakes. Parents, your children don't need to live in the inheritance of your mistakes. You see, we have an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. Your inheritance is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus your inheritance is life in life to the full your inheritance is a wisdom that comes through the ages that we can stand on the shoulders your inheritance is freedom from sin your inheritance is wisdom when you face temptation you see we've inherited the bible I was meant to bring mine up with you to show you but a real one an analog bible paperback who remembers them Paperback Bibles, you don't know what they are. There are these things that you'd have to turn the pages. I've got mine on my iPad today. But we inherited the Bible. We inherited wisdom. Audacious Church, Chester, people on the podcast, let's use it. We don't need to live firsthand. We can live and learn on the stories and of the lives and of the people that have made mistakes that have gone before us. We aren't starting at page one. We have the whole Bible, we have wisdom, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus. Cain and Abel didn't have this. They were almost set up to fail. They were the first sons born. I feel for them, I do, no matter what they've done they were probably going to fail. But what we can do when we stand on the Bible, when we stand on the wisdom, is we can stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. Living our everyday life, making choices for life, not for death. We're going to live for life, not for death. What does that mean? Life, relationship with Jesus. Life, giving relationships. Death, sin. You see, Cain didn't just wake up one day and think, I'm a murderer. People don't tend to go from okay to murder straight away. There tends to be a journey that leads them. Cain didn't just wake up thinking, I'm going to kill Abel today. No, sin had entered Cain's life through his heart. Cain chose to compare his offering to his brother's. He chose to say, I've got some wheat, but he's got meat. Oh, that rhymed. That was cool. <laughs> he chose to compare himself to his brother. He chose to have a victim narrative that led him to anger. We read it in the story, um, which we'll look at a little bit later on, that God says to him, If you do what is well, are you not accepted? God never said you are not accepted. Cain chose that perspective for himself and thought he wasn't enough for God's standard. Cain chose death over life. Cain chose to hide from God's presence. We see it at the end of the story where Cain says, this is too much for me. I will be hidden from your presence. That was Cain's choice to detach himself from God. God never said he wasn't gonna let his presence go with him. Cain chose that. Sin is an act that deliberately dis obeys God's word so for Adam and Eve they ate the apple that they were told explicitly not to eat they were told not to eat the fruit they ate it temptation sounds like a voice questioning God's word so for Adam and Eve it was did God really say is Abel's offering really not as good as yours has the person next to you that has a nicer car are they not better than you Church, we need to learn the voice of temptation so that learn the voice of comparison, learn the voice of doubt so that we can cut off the head of sin before it even enters our heart. You see, when our heart takes hold of comparison, when our heart takes hold of anger, when our heart becomes selfish, that becomes the perfect breeding ground for sin. It starts to fester. Church, I'm going to give you three things real quick that you can do and live by to make sure that you don't get rot in your heart. You see, we don't want to live like Cain. We don't want to go for death. We want to live for life. We want to reflect that true light that Jesus came to the earth so that we can live in. Live for life and life to the full. So we're going to live by these three things. We are going to first submit to God. It says in James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. Church, submission to God looks like obedience. It's stepping in accordance with the word that God's spoken because we know that sin is the disobedience. It's a deliberate act against God's word. So we need to live in accordance and in step with God's word. We sang it in a song earlier, a narrow road. It seems narrow, it looks narrow, but it's not narrow. There is so much life in that lane that will lead you to eternal life, far greater than the distractions and the noise that the world is screaming out for you. Do this, be that. What does it really matter? God can't see you. No, live on the road that takes you to eternal life. Live in relationship with God. Submit, live in obedience. Living by God's standards, not the world's. We need to choose to praise over the noise. Choose praise, a position of praise over the temptations in the world, over the things shouting at you. We need to submit to God by choosing praise. Praise over the noise. Church, can we just give a shout of praise to him right now? Can we choose a posture of praise? We don't need the band to praise. We don't need it to be a Sunday to praise. All we need is life in our lungs, a decision above the noise to go, Lord, I'm gonna praise you no matter what. Church, take this with you. Choose praise. Praise over the noise, praise over the negativity, praise over the good stuff. We can sometimes, something good in our lives can happen and we take it in our stride and we walk on thinking, yes, I am awesome and forget that God gave you that blessing. Praise over the noise of the good as well as the bad. Church, read Pray and stay. This is something that I do. I wake up every morning, I read, I pray, and I stay in God's presence. If you can wake up, you can read your Bible, say a prayer, and just wait for 10 minutes. If it's that, in God's presence, you will be in submission to God. You will see life come out in ways that you never thought that it could or it would. Our second thing that we need to do to avoid and to cut off and master the temptation of sin and of temptation in our lives is check your heart. Check your heart. See, the Bible teaches us on the wisdom that we have, that Cain and Abel didn't have, we can read the Old Testament We can read Proverbs. How good is it to have a full book of wisdom? We can read Proverbs 4 and read and know that we, above all else, we need to guard our hearts. We know that for everything flows out of it. We can read when David was anointed to be king and we can look at Samuel 16 and we can see that the Lord says, do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not a man, when the man looks on, doesn't look in the onward appearance, but the Lord looks to the heart. This story of Cain and Abel isn't about sibling rivalry, it's about heart posture. The reason that God blessed um, Abel's offering to him. Wasn't because it was nicer or it was better, but it was because it was with the heart that it was presented with. God looks at the heart. We see and we read it that Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the first born of his flock. You see, when we bring this, the, the word "sum" and first and we look at what that shows us about Abel's heart compared to Cain's. You see, when we bring our first to God, we bring it out of love. Someone that gives their best to God is totally in love with him. It shows that God is a priority. Giving God our first shows where our heart is positioned. If I'm going to give him my leftovers, what does that really tell him? What does that speak about my life? What is important? I'm not here to give God my leftovers, some fruits of this yield that I took over the year, but no, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to give God my first breath, my first thought. I'm going to say, God, you are worthy of all. I exalt your name. God, my heart is for you. I love you. Church, we need to bring God our best. Someone that brings God their best is in love with God. You don't bring your best and have a bad heart. Check your hearts. How do you present your offerings? On a Sunday, the band can join me. On a Sunday, when it comes to that moment, do you wince or do you come ready? And now when me and Abby got married, we both gave separately and we didn't, as soon as we had the conversation, yeah, 10%, it's the first thing that we're gonna do each month. You say, wait don't always have the time to do it together straight away, but we've created a part in our banking that before we delegate any other money, the tithe goes where the tithe needs to be and then the tithe comes into the house. Church, I want to challenge you, where is your heart when you are giving to God? When you turn up on a Sunday for team, do you turn up tired or do you turn up front foot forward? Do you turn up after being up for two extra hours just to pray before you came? Church, when you've got small groups on a Wednesday, do you clean up? Do you prepare? Do you put your heart where the the children of God are coming into church don't give God your leftovers don't give him the leftovers out of I feel like I should give him your first fruits check your heart ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit where have I become complacent Holy Spirit, where am I starting to compare myself to someone? Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I need to grow. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to change in my life. Once you've spent time doing that, to avoid your heart in rot, seeping in, creating a breeding ground for sin, you need to commit to change. Once the Holy Spirit's shown you, you need to change. There's no point going through that process and going through the heart surgery because it will hurt. It's not easy. It's not, there's no point going through it if we're just going to leave it to the wayside and not act on it. Commit to change, to see change. First, we need to repent. 2 Chronicles tells us this if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them and heal their land we need to humble ourselves we need to repent from our sins we have all sinned we were born sinners sin was in the world as we came into it we need to have this moment where we say God forgive me for I have sinned but repentance isn't saying I'm sorry moving on. And then a month later, picking it back up and walking back in that sin. Repentance is saying, God, I'm gonna give you my sin. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna leave it at the foot of the cross and I'm gonna leave it with you. Like Dan said last week leave it with God, let God be God. Live free from the grip that it had from you. That's repentance. Repentance is going into the presence of God, laying down your sin, laying down your heart, saying, God, I'm sorry I give it to you and then walking away, not to pick it up again. For us to be able to not pick it up again, we need to bring people in. We need to bring people in so that we are accountable. James 5 says therefore confess of your sins and each of you pray for each other. It says support each other. I've sinned, you've sinned, but if we know what we struggle with in our lives and we come side by side, we link arms, we protect each other's backs, then sin and temptation won't creep back in. We are here, we are siblings. We're gonna choose for life, not for death. God wants us to bring people in, people that we trust. And then he wants us to live free. John 8, go, sin no more. Leave your sins at the foot of the cross, walk away. You don't need to take it with you. Church, this is how we protect our hearts. This is how we guard our hearts. This might be new for some people today and it might seem very intense or complicated, but it's simple. It's just a moment, you and Jesus. It doesn't need to be five people sat around and you confessing your sins and whipping yourself on the back and beating yourself down. No, it's just a moment, a holy moment between you and God. God, I have sinned, take it from me. God, I have this struggle in my life. I'm giving it to you. And then you're bringing someone in to support you, to walk with you, to tell you, to hold you to account. We're not gonna play the judge. We're gonna choose life over death. We all have this choice. We're we gonna live in our relationships with each other, with our relationships, with our work, with our, the people in our work, the people in our schools. Is it for life? Is it for death? We see in our story of Cain and Abel what happens when we let comparison seep into our heart. We see in this story what happens when we let anger take root in our hearts. We see what happens when you let selfishness take root in your heart. It leads to nothing but death. Church, let's encourage one another. Let's choose life. Let's stand next to each other and push each other into the things of God. And yes and amen, what the God's saying over the person to your left and to your right. Let's text our small groups when there's a moment that's big in their lives, like a job interview. Let's, let's be a body of Christ that chooses life over death, that chooses encouragement. See, Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants to reveal things through his word. You don't have to live in an inheritance of death. And that might be a word for someone today that you've come into this place and you almost feel like you live in the wake, in the, in the hardships of what's gone before. Like, for me personally, there was a time where I remember, having to literally cut off the head of the snake of the sins that went before me. I remember feeling this pull, this almost like generational pull, this generational curse of um, dads leaving homes and um, seeing drugs within my family, not my family that's in church, but family that's outside of church, no one that you guys know. And there there was things that I got pulled into, that me and my brother pushed each other into, that now we're the first ones to say, Sam, don't pick that back up, mate. You know where that leads. Sam, you don't want to do that. You saw where that got. Great granddad, you saw that where that's not us. You see, we needed to live in the destructive sibling relationship, which unfortunately Cain and Abel didn't get to, to be able to stand in the life-giving relationship. We had to be in sin, to recognise sin, to come out of sin. There is an opportunity for everyone here today to come out of sin and into life. There is an opportunity for everyone to cut off the head of the snake, to cut off the head of temptation, to cut off the head of sin and to start a new life. You see, when we come into relationship with God, we become new. You see, there's a version of, in the message where it talks about the story of Cain and Abel and God gives Cain a warning. He gives him a warning of what will happen if he sins. Let's see if I can find it. It says this, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you. You've got to master it. You see, that was God's warning to Cain. Sin is lying there, waiting to devour you. It says in Romans for the wages of sin is death but f- the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord so there's this parallel there's these two paths that we can choose we can choose the narrow road of life on it or we can choose the noisy the loud what looks glamorous i just want to end on just these last couple of moments well i just want to encourage you all that with this verse in acts where it says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gifts of the holy spirit church my prayer is that the gifts of the holy spirit will be so evident in our lives that love would be so evident in our lives, that patience, that peace, that joy, that self-control, that faithfulness, that kindness would be so evident in our lives that we would bring life to every person that we know in church and outside of church, that we would reflect the true light and the true life of Jesus Christ in our lives. You see, through the gift of the Holy Spirit that is self-control, we can choose, to run our thoughts, our responses, our environments, the things in our lives through a filter. And this filter is, is it for life or is it for death? Is this response that I'm giving in my marriage, is this bringing life to my marriage? Is this bringing life in my relationship, the way I'm going to respond to my children? Is this actually giving life or is this bringing death? in our thoughts. Is this thought that's popped into my mind? Is this for life? See, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Is this for life or is it for death? Is this environment that I'm in, young people, number one, is this environment that I am in for life or for death? Is this friendship for life, for death? Church, choose life. Choose to bring encouragement. Choose to bring relationship with Jesus. Choose to be an armor bearer. Choose to submit to God. Choose to repent. Choose to bring someone in. Choose to live free. Don't live do what Cain did and choose murder and choose death. Live life and life to the full. Thank you for listening to this Audacious Podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.